0: Peter shoots a base hit out into right. Hit number 2986. Now 14 away from 3,000. And that moves him past Sam Rice into sole possession of
1: 28th place on the. Yeah.
2: Welcome! It is the Sportscasters coming at you here with episode number 24. It is June 7th, 2011. We are live from Buffalo, New York. And of course, by live, I mean taped. <laughs> That's right. We're alive. Yeah, we're live. It's live. All right, Sportscasters, got a great show for you today. Jimmy Trena is going to make his debut. He is from SportsIllustrated.com. He does the really cool hot clicks Segment that is kind of part of their extra mustard part of their website, which would be the equivalent of ESPN page, page two, right? Yeah, yeah. So Jimmy Train is going to join us to talk about a bunch of really cool things. And at the end of the show, we have Alex Belth. Alex was on baseball preview episode number one to talk about the Yankees, and of course, he is the proprietor of the Bronx Baseball Bronx Banter Blog and he's also from Sports Illustrated. And we're going to talk to him at the end of the show. A couple things to get us started. Before three things, I just want to mention we're not the best, Don, at reminding people where to find us. Sometimes we do it at the beginning. Sometimes we do it at the end. Sometimes, sometimes we don't, we don't even do, it do it at it all. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I just reminded everyone where we are on the Internet. Our website is wwwsports And you, any of the stuff I say after, you can find on that website in yep. the contact section. Uh, our email address is the sportscasters at gmail.com. Our blog, which we've been starting to do more and more with, uh, some really cool stuff, including uh, our tie-in with the Fatty Hockey League. Don and I were just discussing that this Sunday we will probably head to Leisure Rinks and blog a little bit more about the Fatty Hockey League. But you can find that. You can find our Twitter interview with David Justice, which I transcribed, some stuff we did back a a while ago on the NFL Draft. And I always post uh, a three-more-things column, usually, after the show is just to provide some links and stuff or stuff that went on during the show. You can find that all at the sportscasters.blogspot.com. And we are on Twitter. We are at sportscasters or sports underscore casters. You can find us there. Don is on Twitter. He is at Don Likes sports and I am at diversity 23. And lastly, we are on Facebook. Uh, likes are still coming in all the time. It's go- kind of growing real slow, but you can find us on Facebook it's facebook.com slash thesportscasters. Uh, I mentioned the Fatty Hockey League featuring Pat Kane and Tim Kennedy, a bunch of uh, AHL, NHL, D1 junior hockey players in Buffalo here, and just wanted to give a real quick shout-out to my brother Anthony, who we've mentioned, who's been on the show before. Tomorrow he's going to get the chance to go to the Buffalo Sabres Combine. Uh, I guess kind of the equivalent of like a college football pro day. Yeah, sounds uh, like yeah, it. Yeah, he's going to actually have to take the wonder lick, so hopefully he, does, <laughs> hopefully he does better than Roddy White, who scored a four. Yeah, or so Vince, Vince Young, for Vince Young bomb, too. I think yeah. he got a 12. Nice. So good luck to Anthony on that. And one other thing I wanted to mention, because we w- occasionally we'll, we'll say hello to a listener uh, that follows us. I know we, we did something last week for a buddy from Tanawanda, but one per- two people that we haven't mentioned that we should, because they're really good listeners, is our father's. Yeah, I know your father, Bill Russ, always listens, and I wanted to say hi to Bill and, and thank him for always being a great great supporter of the podcast and what we do, and uh, also my dad, Ed. Uh, I just talked to him last night, and we were talking all about the podcast and stuff, so I wanted to thank both of our fathers as we get closer to Father's Day. Maybe we'll surprise them, although maybe if I say it, it won't be a surprise now.
1: Yeah, because they do listen. <laughs> but they do listen,
2: so I wanted to say hi to our fathers And uh, let's get into it. Let's go and do three things.
1: Let's play a game. All right. Mm -hmm. Count of three. One. All righty.
2: I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is the funnest night ever. (laughs) Did we just become
0: best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business.
2: All right, I'm going to kick us off this week, and my first thing is I'm a little surprised today that NBC has retained its hold on U.S. Olympic television rights. Uh, they have extended their deal through 2020. Uh, I guess the deal is worth about $4.4 billion, and they defeated bids from ESPN and Fox. And the reason I'm surprised is because... I guess with all the extra ESPN talk the last couple weeks, uh, mostly because of James Andrew Miller's book, which we talked about on episode 22, I just kind of expected ESPN to get it because it felt like they wanted it. And I guess we're in a spot in sports media where you kind of expect ESPN to get what we want. And I have booked for next week Neil Best, who does the uh, Sports Watch column at Newsday. And I want to talk to him just about a bunch of different media stuff, but this will definitely come up because I'm surprised that NBC got what ESPN wanted, especially based on the fact that NBC just lost their sports president, Dick Ebersol, just moved on, and you know, watching Twitter today, I guess NBC presented for like an hour longer than ESPN and. Just uh, they got the bid, and, and I'm su- I'm surprised. I, th- I thought it was going to be ESPN. And you know what? I'm a little disappointed because ESPN promised more live coverage. Ah, yes. NBC likes to show a lot of tape stuff. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And also I was disappointed because I thought it would really be cool for ESPN to have the Olympic hockey, especially since the NHL has decided— stick with NBC and versus I thought it would be cool to see be able butcher grass yeah. and Gary Thorne and those guys do for hockey. Sure.
1: So I'm a little disappointed and that's my first thing for sure. My first thing, uh, Matt liner, not always the most likable guy, kind of a pretty boy. Uh, he said on sports center Monday night, I'm reading a transcript here. About USC being stripped of their 2004 BCS championship, he said, it's obviously tough to hear, but to be honest with you, I think I speak for everyone that was a part of that team. In reality, I don't think anyone can really take that championship away from us. For all the hard work we put in on the practice field, the games, in the title game, we beat Oklahoma pretty handily. Mm -hmm. What happened outside the field, I don't condone it at any point, but that doesn't take away from what we did as a football team. And like I kind of prefaced, he's not the most likable guy always, and – usc just isn't always the most likable school it's kind of a polarizing school but he's right Uh, this is the bcs's way of performing uh, giving lip service to what is a really really big problem and they kind of pretend to care about it but they don't it's uh it would be like vince mcmahon coming out and talking negatively about steroids you know what i mean like it it's You can go online right now and bid on autographed jerseys from, help me out, Ohio State, and that should just smack of hypocrisy, and it doesn't, and it goes on all the time, and it's just stupid, because how do you take away something that was won? Right, like does Liner have to go back into the draft? Does Reggie Bush have to give back a bonus? You know what I mean? And
2: now there's just no champion that year.
1: Right, yeah, that just, just vacated, vacated it,
2: yep. and that's just silly. Because anytime you look at vacate, you are going to say, "Oh yeah, USC won that one. USC won. What, what right. are you going to do now
1: about it? I am a terrible college guy. Nobody's going to give the rings back, right? Pete, Pete Carroll was the coach of that. Pete team, Carroll right? was the coach. Yes, is is he going to face any problems from nope. that now? Right. So I, it it's totally pointless. Um, Doesn't
2: accomplish anything.
1: It's like taking away uh, Reggie Bush's
2: Heisman. Heisman. That was dumb too because yep. he won it. Everyone knows he won it. And regardless of whether or not his family got a free house somewhere in Los Angeles, he was still the best player in college football. Right, And regardless if he was an ineligible player, he was still on the team that won the national championship. But just to do it is dumb. And there's so many guys on that team, by the way, that didn't do anything wrong.
1: Right, right. and it, It's not like every single player had an NCAA infraction. And there, But there probably are also more players that did do things wrong that you just won't hear about. It's just that Reggie Bush is a big name. And if they really cared about it, they wouldn't have let Ohio State do what they did last year. They wouldn't have let those kids play in the bowl game because that news was out there before it happened. And the truth is they don't care. And it, I'm glad they didn't because it's not really fair to those kids to take them out of the game. I mean, sure, they did something wrong, but... It's something that everybody's doing type of thing. And I know that doesn't make it right, but the, the BCS is, uh, they're phonies.
2: I think that we could boil this story down to one sentence, and nobody would disagree with us. And that sentence would be, the NCAA is full of hypocrites. Absolutely. Nobody would disagree with that, and that's the bottom line. Absolutely. My number two thing, Tiger Woods is going to skip the U.S. Open. Oh, darn. <laughs> Too bad. I was so looking forward to him playing six holes and then walking off the course (laughs) like he did (laughs) a couple weeks ago in the PGA. You know, Tiger Woods, go away, please. And I hope, I hope now that Tiger Woods is not going to be at the U.S. Open, that the coverage will focus on the U.S. Open. And the U.S. Open will stand on its own. Golf is bigger than Tiger Woods, and I think somewhere along the line... We've kind of forgotten that. Hockey is bigger than Wayne Gretzky. Basketball is bigger than Michael Jordan. And golf is bigger than Tiger Woods. He might be the biggest, most po- polarizing star of all time. But you know what? Golf is bigger than him. And I don't care about him anymore. He's not the player he used to be. The mystique is dead. His knee is injured. He's never going to beat Jack Nicklaus's record for major victories that ship has sailed so you know what go away and don't
1: come back until you're relevant on the the golf course again yeah they should shift their focus there's a lot of interesting young uh golfers out there i can't think of names but i know there's some guys that like there's one guy that uh terrible with names but he has like his real like an interesting fashion sense i think he designs his own clothes or something like that but he's like a good character to uh Like, Tiger Woods was never even interesting other than what he did on... He was like a robot. He was so boring and... One thing that was awesome about Tiger Woods, I'll
2: never... Say it is how he won the US Open a couple of years ago, basically dragging his leg behind. Him. Right. And that was cool. That was gutty. It was hockey to me. Yeah, his intensity you know, is what made him it interesting. Was, it was awesome. And I, I give him credit for that. But ever since then, he's been a different guy. Ever since then, his wife beat him with a golf club <laughs> and he crashed his car into a tree and he became this weirdo. He's like almost approaching Michael Jackson
1: yeah you know like it's, slap, like it's more more tmz than it is espn
2: slap a fake nose on him and i'm gonna call um you know i'm gonna wait for him to go He-he. Yeah, I, he's just weird and i think uh, he, this is his quote i'm extremely disappointed that i won't be playing in the u.s open but it's time for me to listen to my doctors dot 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 good idea listen to your doctors get your knee healed and come back as a golfer that can compete like you used to because that's what made you interesting. Right. Being a personality off the golf course no, not did not all. make this guy interesting.
1: Not at all. Uh, my second thing, again, is college football related. There's uh, Rutgers coach Greg Schiano, who you probably never heard of unless you've heard this story, has an interesting proposition to help eliminate what is considered probably the most dangerous play, maybe in any sports, and that's uh, kickoffs and onside kicks. What he is proposing, and he admits himself that it's just in its infancy, just an idea he's having, is that teams, rather than kicking off, will punt from the 30-yard line to open halves and after scoring or at the start of games. Or if they want to maintain possession rather than doing the onside kick, they can opt to run a 4th and 15 play from the 30. Um, He was sitting in the hospital room of uh, defensive tackle Eric Legrand, who broke his C3 and C4 vertebrae and now Mm. is paralyzed below the neck and basically thought, this can't be the best way to do this. And he says, quote, In the last 20 years, the size, speed, and power of the players has grown so fast, the equipment and bone structure hasn't really changed that much, so something's going to give, right? And he's right. I mean, in Buffalo, we've seen Kevin Everett, on what seemed like a nothing play, just slamming into a guy. A kickoff, yeah. Yeah, on a kickoff, broke his neck. Um, it's some quick stats about kickoffs. In, in the NCAA, since they moved the kickoff back to the 30-yard line in 2007, teams have kicked off uh, almost 33,000 33, times. Of those kickoffs, 281 were returned for touchdowns. During the same span, Team have punted 20, almost 29,000 times. Of those, 279 were returned for touchdowns. Uh, basically what that boils down to is a kickoff gets returned for a touchdown every 117 times a punt every one Oh three. So punts are actually the higher percentage uh, touchdown plays. The flip side of it, I guess would be the argument that 78, almost 80% of kickoffs are returned. Whereas only about 40% of punts are returned. But in addition to the uh, lessened chance of injury, it makes, I, I think it's interesting. You can, you can try to block the punt, you can uh, – it's it's more interesting to see an onside kick that works – that's a play. You know what I mean? That's a fourth down play rather than the luck of a bounce or whether or not the kicker gets the, the roll he wants. And even he says, like, it needs tweaks. He doesn't know that fourth and 15 is the perfect distance. But all you got to really do is figure out the distance that
2: – The odds are The equal. odds are equal to right. an onside kick. And the only question I have, and like he said, it's in its infancy – is how do you deal with the surprise onside kick, like what right. the Saints
1: did yeah. in the Super Bowl? I, I guess you that would be out of the game. That would be out. And uh, the author of this article, it was actually on uh, SI.com, he says that it would make punters a little more valuable, long snappers a little more valuable, guys that are straight-ahead burners maybe a little less valuable because you don't have that room to just take off, But whereas the shifty guys might be a little more valuable. And uh, it's an interesting idea. He even admits it probably will never come to fruition. But seeing players carted off the field with broken necks is—it's uh, a downer. Yeah, it absolutely. ruins your
2: Sunday or Saturday when it happens because you hate to see it. Right, especially a kid—that's a, kid yep. a college player. And you know what? It's—it's it's a cool idea. Like you said, it, it probably won't see the light of day. But um, why not? I, and you know what? It's all about physics. The physics of the game are such that everyone is so big. And so fast and so strong now that this stuff might happen. And you know what? I'm really scared it's going to happen. And I don't know if it will be at a kickoff on another play. And someone just isn't going is to die. You know? right. And it's, it's scary. But luckily, I think everyone's becoming a little bit more and more aware of all these kinds of things. And changes are starting. And I'm sure when we get back to you, we'll talk more about yeah. that kind of thing in a second. First, my third thing. Uh, Terrell Pryor is gone from Ohio State. You know, what a bust. (laughs) This guy was a five-star recruit. Let me tell you a little story. Okay. When he was a senior in high school, I took Anthony to Pittsburgh for a hockey tournament. And while we were down there, Terrell Pryor's high school played the state final at Heinz Field. And it was on television. And Anthony and I watched some of it. And Terrell Pryor's team won. He was fantastic in the game. And when we were driving to his game later, they were talking on the local sports radio whether or not Terrell Pryor was the greatest player ever in Pittsburgh high school sports. We're talking about Dan Marino, right. you know, Tony Dorsett, tons of players that have played. And he was a five-star recruit that Michigan and Ohio State battled for, like he was going to be the next Tim Tebow or Vince Young. And he was nothing. He was a, he was a bust he got the trouble the program in more trouble than it was than he was worth for sure. And now he's gone. And the question is what's next for him? And he released a statement through his lawyer, Larry James, that said, It's in the best interest of my teammates. I've made the decision to forego my senior year. Big deal, you're getting suspended for five, five games anyway, right? so I don't know what much of a senior year you're gonna have. And he does say that the next NFL supplemental draft is the hope that he has to be his next step, but he also didn't rule out the Canadian Football League or working with a personal quarterback coach first. And obviously one thing that needs to resolve before it matters anyway is for there to not be a lockout. But just what a bust. You know, Terrell Pryor, you were supposed to be better than this. And, right. uh, you know, you've just been a punk. And, and I hope
1: he, just, he was given such a great opportunity, and I just hope he can, uh, he can right the ship. I think the obvious question is why now? Like if you're going to do this, why not before the draft? Why not enter the last the past draft? Uh, I mean maybe maybe question. he's not going to go high, but now he doesn't know if he's going to well, go anywhere. Maybe because his coach is gone. Uh, yeah. maybe he was going to yeah. stick
2: it out with Tressel, but now the Tressel's gone. He That's decided, true. you know. Forget it. Maybe just uh there's 1726 comments about this article on <laughs> espn.com and it's probably only been up 2 hours. Okay, wow. You know what I mean? Actually, it was posted at seven o four. It's seven thirty three right now. You know, there's already been two thousand comments and four thousand Twitter recommendations. Wow. You know, so I think the pressure and the intensity of the story has gotten so much that maybe he's right. It is in the best interest of the team and his teammates. He wasn't going to be able to offer much anyway, considering
1: he'd be gone the first five games. So, my last thing this week is uh, multiple things. Just a few quick observations about the NHL playoffs. And uh, the Stanley Cup, Zdeno Chara. I mentioned we, when we talked a lot about the Stanley Cup. I mentioned that I, he's not putting up the greatest numbers, or especially in the goal total. But I mentioned that he was maybe an outside shot at the MVP. Well, he took a that took a big hit game two in what was oh, yeah. maybe the worst defensive play I've ever seen in that situation. You got to knock that Alex Burrows on his ass. Yeah, and. I've I've seen people I think you wrote too, like what what was Tim Thomas doing? And yeah, he overplayed it. But he was playing an angle there, and there's no way he thought that, okay, if this guy takes the puck by me and doesn't shoot it, Char is gonna put him through the boards, into the wall, into the third row of the right. stadium, whatever. Chara just whiffed on him. I don't know what happened there, but I don't think you could make
2: as many mistakes as the Bruins made in that eleven seconds, yeah, I don't think you could make more. First of all, they won the faceoff clean, <laughs> and Ference just threw the puck away. Right then, Tim Thomas is playing clown hockey. Yeah, he, rolling around on the ground. I don't know
1: what he was doing.
2: And then Zdeno Chara, who stands about Andre the Giant tall, just lets Alex Burrows wheel around the net and put the puck in. Yep. and uh, that was. Brutal. That was about as bad as 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 bad of an eleven seconds as you can play.
1: Yeah, lucky lucky for them, they came back and won big and uh game. Not lucky, but f- for their chances. I mean, it wasn't looking pretty to lose two games the way they did. And
2: all right, so let's move to game three. I'm sure you got that next.
1: Uh, I actually was going to talk about that later at the picks, but yeah, wow, what happened there? Uh, I'd actually be worried a little bit if I was Vancouver. That's the type of game, minus the scoring. I mean. I kind of brought up last week that if Vancouver's going to lose, it might be Luongo's fault, and he was terrible. But I think they got... He did have an out.
2: I guess he said the coach asked him with eight minutes left
1: if, if he wanted, wanted to come out, out, and he said no. Yeah, so, what's
2: the point? Yeah, good for him.
1: But that's exactly the type of game they don't want to play. Even if that was a 2-1 game, they they don't want to get into that. I think they got pushed around a little bit.
2: Well, let's talk. that's what I thought you were going to talk about
1: was Rome. Well, yeah, I do have that on here too. My initial reaction was that the suspension's a joke. But now, if you think of it from Aaron Rome's p- point of view, he's going to miss four of the biggest games of his life that he might never get to play in again. And that I'm okay with. I just wish the NHL, this goes back to, I just wish they had a set s- set of... Consistency. Right. Like, if you want to say, okay, a hit from behind, or a dirty hit is worth 10 games or whatever, or you want to even somehow wait it for the playoffs, say, like, okay... We're going to give you four games, but every one of those games that's not a playoff game becomes ten games. Just do something. Have something. In, like, Where do they pick four from?
2: Well, I think this is the first thing they did, is for next year, Brendan Shanahan is going to be in charge of discipline. Right, I heard and that. Last that's I good. checked, Brendan Shanahan doesn't have a son in the league. <laughs> There's no Gregory Shanahan, right? Like there is a Gregory Campbell. right? And I know some people, whether fairly or not, have – at times insinuated that maybe uh, Colin Colin Campbell has not been fair when it has involved the team that his son is either playing or playing on. Put that aside for a second. He has been terrible at his job, a hard job, because he hasn't been consistent enough. So Brendan Shanahan, who has shown to be very smart, and has had come up with a lot of the ideas that have made the game better since the lockout, is going to take a shot at this. And I want to give him a chance next year. Now, in the meantime, we got to get to next year. And the thing I hate the most, I was talking to my dad on the phone last night, and he called a little bit before the game, but we were talking. It was early in the game. And Aaron Rome just puts an absolutely vicious hit on... Clearly late. On Nathan Horton. Nathan Horton, yeah. And wasn't your first reaction, ooh. I mean, just to see his head bounce off the ice like that.
1: His arm kind of just stiff up in It was air. nasty, nasty yeah, hit. Yeah.
2: And it's the kind of hit you don't want in the game. The guy is, Aaron Rome's a joke. Right. I mean, they're just going to take him out and what, put Keith Ballard in instead. Whatever. He's insignificant. Right. And he's taken out a very significant player in the finals. Yeah, that guy we
1: were arguing could be one of their MVPs.
2: And he's also taken the focus off the finals and put him on dirty hits in the league Yep. and how the league deals with dirty hits. The first thing I said to my dad is, you know what You know what pisses me off about this? Is now tomorrow on the podcast, instead of talking about the X's and O's of the thing, we're going to have to talk about Aaron Rome being a scumbag.
1: Yeah, and not only this, is it goes back to the Burroughs situation, which they also mishandled, I think. Yep. To say that... I know he's one of their most important players, and you actually pointed out on Twitter, he won game two. Yep. And what if he wasn't in that game because of a suspension? He should have been suspended for that. He bit a player. And that's, not allowed. that's just Bush. I yeah. mean, that's... He, I don't know what type of suspension you give him for that, but to And say last that
2: night, it was getting annoying seeing everyone... everyone fingers te- in each other's mouth. And I guess yeah. they said that that's not going to be a 10-minute misconduct. Yeah, two and 10. I'm, I'm fine with that. Right. You know, and in a way, you said the suspension is a joke. I don't know. I think it's fair. He's out for the rest of the season, right? And I I guess that's where they came up before.
1: And that's why I I bet if
2: this happened in game two, he would have got five games. Yeah, probably. Because I think the idea behind the suspension is he's done for the year. They, they waited
1: it for the Stanley Cups a He can't bit, like,
2: play in the Cup. And if the team wins the Stanley Cup, he lost his chance to be out there in his uniform and his skates and carrying that thing around. They did say around. he could go out. He can go out in his right, pennies or whatever. Right, But he's not going to be
1: right suited up he's
2: not gonna throw his gloves in the air and jump off the bench and, right. and jump on the goalie or whatever and what, what it would have missed how stupid
1: yeah that's what i meant when i when i first wrote it down i said nhl suspension of aaron rome is a joke that's the i think that's fine uh if they're waiting it for the stanley cup because of what that probably means to this kid if this was game two of the regular season and you want to might spend 25 games yeah. right then that's fine it's just it's a total crap shoot with that league If. If you follow anyone like Butchergrass or Barnaby before he got in trouble, and those type of guys on Twitter, they give you like cable company type ranges. It's like, okay, I think the suspension is going to be here between this game and this. I mean, nobody knows. I don't. I don't know if uh, Colin Campbell knows when he or makes the call or what's the other guy that was Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. Um, on to other things, not cup related. Winnipeg. In twenty six minutes, met their goal of thirteen thousand season tickets. So doesn't surprise me a bit. Immediately, the right move there to move Atlanta, yep. who probably doesn't average thirteen thousand tickets a game, uh, and they are not going to be the Whiteout. They're not going to be the Whiteout. There
2: was a rumor that they were going to be called the, the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Whiteout? Whiteout because I guess the North Star Group had registered Whiteout. Oh, and Whiteout.com, dot com, but I guess they just did that for future promotion. People were nervous for a second that they were going to be the Winnipeg White. Now I'll
1: ask you, maybe you don't know, but has Phoenix given them permission to use the name the Jets?
2: I think the NHL said they were going to take care of that, and
1: I don't see why Phoenix would not. But I, I know ownership has said they're not necessarily sure they want to go in that direction, but it seems like they should. Yeah, it seems like they should. Uh, my last thing local news Drew Safford signs four years, 16 million, a little tiny bit over that. Yeah. But, uh, that's fair. That's I mean, exactly what I thought. Yeah, I, when I had to do it.
2: When I heard that he was going to get a contract, I guessed on Twitter five for 20, uh-huh. four for 16, same thing. Right. I'm perfectly fine with it. Good move, good signing. He's It's the right money for the right player. I don't think they overpaid by any means. I no. think he could have easily got $4 million. And like you said, this could be a year where offer sheets are in play. So why not... Get that off the table. Get it off the table
1: and not have to worry about someone
2: else dictating the juice staff. And it contract. doesn't necessarily
1: mean they don't trade him or something. Not that I want them to at this point. You finally get what you were waiting for out of the kid. You might as well let him let see what he can do. But the Sabres do have a ton of money tied up in wingers. Between Vanek, Stafford now, uh Boys.
2: Boys, yeah, one more year for about.
1: Somebody else, too, I can't think of. But, yeah, they got a lot of money tied up in wingers. Palmville. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there because I know everyone thinks they're going to try to bring in a center and even maybe like a veteran defenseman because they're so young there. But, and yeah, it's perfect the, signing, perfect money.
2: And, you know, I, I'm excited now that Brad – another thing you didn't mention that happened during the week is Dallas kind of officially mentioned that they're out of, out it. of it. Brad Richards sweepstakes. And the three teams everyone kind of thinks is Toronto – I heard the original Rangers, six teams. Yeah, yeah, Toronto, the Rangers. But when you go outside the original six, the two teams mentioned were the Kings and the Sabres. And you know what? It's just cool to have our team mentioned in that. Right. Because that in 2007, that would have... No. No, we would have or, never... We're in
1: the Bob Corkum sweepstakes. Right,
2: yeah. So it's just cool to have our name mentioned. So that's all I got in hockey. All right, good. That's three things. Here's where we go from here. We're going to take a quick break. Come right back with James Trena. Uh We're going to do a real quick book club update just to kind of talk about some books that maybe you might want to buy your father for Father's Day, kind of piggybacking off of Peter King's column the other day. And then we're going to talk to Alex Belth and round it all off for, with pick four. So we'll be right back with Jimmy Trana. <laughs> Our next guest is from Long Island, New York, and is a graduate of CW Post University. He has worked for the Associated Press, Scorephone, and WBAZAM, where he did afternoon drive time updates. In 2000, he joined SI.com, where he has covered Major League Baseball, golf, the NBA, the NFL, and other sports. Today, he is a senior producer for SI.com and the creator, writer, and editor of the popular Hot Clicks feature. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Jimmy Traina. How are you doing today, Jimmy? Did I say that right, I'm
0: um, You did You did oh, it right, and I have to say that is the most thorough introduction I've ever been get- given. I'm very, very uh, impressed by that. I-, I had forgotten some of those things that I had done. <laughs> What is <a> scorephone? <laughs> See, the, the young people who just know the internet don't even know that, you know, before we had this World Wide web and we wanted scores we had to call a 900 number or an 800 number to get them. Oh, I see. So, I would be the voice on the other end of the phone giving you giving you scores, but that was a while ago and uh I'd imagine I you know, I think there actually are couples still around that exist, but obviously with smartphones now and 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 uh the internet obviously. You know, now.
2: it's funny you say that because I have a buddy who uh, gets his cell phone from work, and they gave he still got a flip phone, you know, and he's a big, big right. Yankees fan. So he always calls somebody, it's some kind of, and he says Yankees, and then yeah. you know it gives him a score. So there's something around still.
1: Yeah,
0: it was, I, it, I, I knew something existed, but uh, I don't know how much longer that's gonna. Yeah, that's I gonna be around for that's for sure.
2: I don't know either. So hot clicks, it's one of the mm-hmm. coolest things out there. Um, Thank you i I just it's it's something new every day it's got it's got everything it's got you know hot chicks and cool links and youtube videos and all that uh you're the creator, so how did the idea for hot clicks come about and you know what's the goal of hot clicks like do you guys have a uh you know do you have a mantra is there something that you try to accomplish every day
0: yeah i mean my my goal with it um it's sort of twofold i guess is I mean, my ultimate goal and the main goal is, you know, I want to give give people a break during the workday where they can, you know, read something for 10 or 15 minutes and have something in there that either, you know, makes them laugh, that they find funny, that they find interesting, that they didn't know, and on days when none of that's available at least you know, we have an attractive woman to right. brighten up their day. So I'm basically just trying to give the guy at work something entertaining for a few minutes, give the college guy, you know, or or woman in between classes something entertaining. Um, one of the things that sort of evolved with it that wasn't the case when it first started, which I'm still getting used to, is that, I mean, now people sort of go to it for my take and the blogosphere's take on big news events as well. So we sort of, in the morning especially, with the AM edition, is it, is more of what's going on, you know, from a news standpoint, whether it's going through the crazy Stanley Cup game last night right. and, uh cool baseball plays from the night before. And then in the PM edition, it's a little more, uh, it's a little looser, I guess you can say. But, you know, the goal is to just entertain people for a few minutes each day while they're at work or after work and, and fooling around on the Internet.
2: Another cool thing about it is, it really exposes you to different things on the internet. You know, like just for example, before today I'd never heard of the seven line dot com. You know, and right. and you put a little thing up there, and boom! Now I know about the seven line dot com. And there's that happens almost all the time. Is that I know that's kind of one of our goals on the sportscaster. Sometimes is try to expose our listeners uh, to different things that are out there. Is that one of the things that you try to do with Hot Clicks too? Is to try? Yeah,
0: I mean. It- definitely any you know if i see something interesting that, that people aren't familiar with i i try to use it and, and and promote it and i i thought what was interesting about that story with the 7 line was you, you know one of the things as a sports fan that i get frustrated with are there's a lot of dumb rules and dumb traditions that still go on and the Mets, who, you know, as an organization are or an embarrassment on and off the field, yeah. have this rule where you can't promote, like, your website on a sign. But to me, like, if you're the Mets, you should have bigger fish to fry than whether someone's promoting their Mets blog on a piece of tag. Um, and I think that's kind of pathetic. So uh, what I like about that item is, I. Can sort of expose that ridiculousness, and you know that blog. I checked it out, and you could tell the guy works hard on it, and it's pretty legit. So I, you know, I thought it would be nice to give him a a pop. So that is uh, that's sort of how that item evolved.
2: You know, your hot click seems like the perfect candidate for an app. I mean, it just yeah, for, you I know, hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, is that something you you considered at all or?
0: And the thing is I have nothing to do with that stuff. It's sort of not my domain at S I. Right. And there've been talks there have been a lot of talks about it and we had a guy working on it and unfortunately he left the company. Oh. So I think everything's sort of back to square one now. Um I mean I'd like to see it happen. It's just uh, you know, it's something that's way above me. And um But it there just seems like things I guess that they're worried about besides Right. the Hot Clicks app, so, uh, you know, there's not much, I mean, I guess I should push for it a little harder, because I hear about it every day from people, but again, they, that, that the people who have to work on that are are not me, so it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, it,
2: it seems like Sports Illustrated is embracing the idea more and more, you know, now with the agreement to allow subscribers to have the magazine online for free, On the app for free, and I mean, I personally, I love it. I mean, what's great about it is my magazine doesn't come in the mail until Thursday, but tonight at midnight, I'm able to download download the magazine onto my.
0: I, you know, well, I, I will pass that along to people at the magazine because they will they will love you. That's that's really what they want to hear.
2: Yeah, it's 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 really incredible. So another incredible thing is when I when I thought about the idea of having you on, I went to I went to Twitter to see if you were there. Mm-hmm. And you were, and I, 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 f- I found your little profile, and it seemed like you mm-hmm. like everything I like. <laughs> like, and let's huh. start with Howard Stern because you're a huge uh, Howard Stern fan. How long have you been listening? Like, what's brought what? What is oh, it about ahead. Stern that I you, remember? I remember
0: sneaking my Walkman into my high school classes, trying to listen to in between periods for you know the five minutes here and five minutes there. Um, and, and obviously, when I was in college, that's when I really ramped up my listening. And, um, when he left the Sirius, I didn't listen for about a year. I think it took me a year to get Sirius and then I got it and I listened to him every day. I have a long commute in the morning. I like commute door to door. is about an hour and 20 minutes from mm. the time I leave my house to the time I get to my office. So I, you know, and then obviously now what's great with, uh, speaking of apps like you were before is when I get to the office, I just throw the show on my, uh, Serious app on my iPhone, and I listened to, and I listened to the whole thing. How do you think
2: the show's doing post Artie?
0: You know, I like it better post Artie for one reason. It's nothing against Artie. I liked Artie, um, but I want more Howard and um, even more Fred and more Gary. I don't think we've gotten more Gary since Artie left. We've got maybe a little more Fred. Um, but my favorite thing about the show is, it's not the porn stars and the strippers and all that stuff. My favorite thing about the show always has been, and always will be, Howard, Robin, Gary, Fred, just riffing on current events, news, and day-to-day topics. And that's really what the show has become since already's left, um, that I've noticed at least. So, I, I love it. Um, you know, and Howard just riffing on pop culture, uh, that, that, that entertains me more than anything. Yeah, I think
2: I think part of the success of the show obviously is just how candid they all are, and how pretty much nothing is off limits in terms of their lives, and they really give you an insight into what they're all about as people. And, and having listened to Howard Stern for the last uh, ten or fifteen years or whatever, you, you kind of feel like you really know the guy a lot more than, let's say, Jim Rome or someone else that you've been listening to. Uh, not you, but just in general, people have been well, listening he, to. Well, yeah, for yeah a long I mean, time. he's
0: on the radio. I mean, people give him grief about his schedule, but, you know, he does a long show, you know, four or five hours. I mean, now he's really cut it down to four hours, but up until a couple of months ago, he was doing five hours a day on the radio. It's not easy. And when you're doing that, you're going to show people who you are. So... It's just inevitable that you get to know who he is.
2: Have you adjusted to the new four-day, three-day, four-day, three-day work No, schedule? I no. hate it with I hate burning it too. passion. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. But like he you says, know, it's better than no Howard, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, people complain about it, but again, it is better than no Howard. And um, what throws me off is, you know, I was so used to going on friday and flipping it on and you know it's the best of and you're like oh well at least it's friday but now when that happens on a thursday it, it really really sucks and uh... yeah you know, but uh, i wait the guy's been doing it for a long time and if you can get that into your contract god bless you i mean i would love to do hot clicks three days a week <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's unbelievable the way the, the kind of the shows evolved i mean i think it's a better a much better show on satellite radio, and that's not even because they can work blue. I mean, I, I don't think that's even a factor. And I mean, it, I'm impressed just by the fact that they even set their own limits. I mean, they they play by their own set of rules. It could probably be raunchier than it is, but I think they've been very conscious of trying to keep the show realistic, you know, and, and not right. over the top. And and I really appreciate that about it. Is Sirius gone for you? The second Stern is, is out, or have you found. Have you found Sirius um, to be worthwhile outside of it? I do listen to uh,
0: Chris Russo, Mad Dog Unleashed, in the afternoon sometimes because I used to be a huge fan of Mike the Mad Dog here in New York um, on WFAN for twenty years, and then yeah. they split up. Same here. And Russo went to Sirius, so I do listen to him in the afternoon. Um, you know, between him and, and I, still listen to Mike Frances on WFAN and or watch him on Yes. Yeah. So in the afternoons, I sort of depending on what topic those guys are doing, listen to one or the other.
2: Let's talk a little bit about Mike and the Mad Dog because I'm a very big Mike and the Mad Dog fan myself. And mm-hmm. uh, it's funny because I live in Buffalo, so I was exposed to Mike and the Mad Dog when Yes debuted. We have Yes in Buffalo. And, okay. you know, that's how I kind of I knew about the show, just kind of being a media buff, but I, I'd never been able to listen to it on a day to day basis. And then when Yes debuted, great. And See, then.
0: If, if, if you just came into it when Yes started, you really missed like the real heyday of the show. Yeah, I,
2: I wish fortunate. I could have listened in 1994. Like that's yeah. the one year I always look back and I'm like, oh man, I wish I could have been there when the Knicks were making their run and the and the Rangers were making their run. And oh, what was a insane. great time it was! Every been.
0: day was every day there was an energy, and every day there was so much going on. Between the Knicks and the Rangers, and and hockey, it's maybe maybe it's me. I don't want to generalize, but it seems to me hockey was way more popular back then than it is now. There was real interest um, in the NHL and the Rangers, and they went on that run, and and the Knicks took over. The Knicks back then were almost like the Yankees are now in New York, which people, you know, a lot of people don't remember. And it was it was an insane time, and they were on the road. Mike the Mad Dog. I mean, they were in Houston when the Knicks played the Rockets. They were in Indiana when they would play the Pacers. They'd be in Vancouver for the Stanley Cup games. And, um, you know, they'd have Pat Riley on the day of games and Mike Keenan on and it. was uh, It was a really unbelievable time for the, for this show.
2: Yeah, I mean, I always think back to that year and say, you know, it's one of the great years as a sports fan. I mean, ESPN 3430 30 even documented a whole, did an hour and a half documentary about one day from that year. And it's like, man, I wish I could have been a part of Mike and the Mad Dog. But even sorrier for me is that I got the iPhone, because there was an app where I would be able to have Mike and the Mad Dog in my car and be able to listen even beyond yes. And right. then, sadly, about a week into that, there was no more Mike and the Mad Dog. And yeah, you know, was- t- to me, it's like together, they'll always be better than they'll ever be apart. Because, oh, no yeah, because there was just this, a balance there where Chris was maybe entertaining and Mike, I mean, I don't think there's anyone more knowledgeable in the media about football than Mike Francesa, in my opinion. I love to listen to him talk about football and the two of them together were great, but now it's like Francesa can be kind of boring and
0: you need someone to play off of i mean one yeah. one man radio shows one person radio shows are very very tough you need someone to play off of they played off each other brilliantly and uh you know i think they both in terms of the show they both missed each other being there
2: yeah I, I totally agree and you know i love people like neil best and you know anyone who covers sports media richard deitch has been our show a few times but one thing that bothers me in terms of the coverage of Mike and the Mad Dog, if you, if you try to research them, is it seems like everything was about them getting along. And this will kind of transition us into the Yankees a little bit and the new Derek Jeter book. And like, I've been, I read that book and it's like the first 200 pages are so cool. It's like all about Derek Jeter and him rising to being this great Yankee and all the moments and the home run and, uh, Ninety six and winning the championships, but then it's like Derek uh, Alex Rodriguez comes on the team, and the book just kind of deteriorates into, "Well, does Derek like Alex? Does Alex like Derek?s It's just this whole thing that just has me spinning, and it's like, ugh, enough, you know. It's like, well, I, you know, I think a
0: lot of it is that, you know, here in New York, and and in general, you know, the media likes to build you up and take you down, and a lot, you know, and you the media and if and maybe that's a little drastic but the media does like the negative story it's just the way it is that's what sells and with cheetah you know, there haven't been negative stories they yeah. have, they've been untouchable they haven't been able to get them so any you know any opportunity where there's a chance that maybe they can get them they want to they want to go there i'm not saying that's what either, you know kind of did with his book i mean it was the era thing was taking place long before the book i'm just saying You know, Jeter being a little icy to A. Rod was one of the rare moments where the media can get could get on Jeter for something, and you know they want to do that, so there it is.
2: As a Yankee fan, how do you feel about the evolution of the Jeter A. Rod tandem on the field and as as the Yankees team? Where do you think the Yankees are going to go with these two players as they kind of get older and? We're starting to see it maybe a little bit with Jeter and definitely with Posada, uh, kind of a deterioration of their skills slightly as they move forward here. They both are under contract for quite a few more seasons.
0: Well, yeah, Posada's gone after this year. So right. I, I think all the stuff that's been made about him this year is, is pretty over the top. The guy's gone after this year, so, you know.
2: Let him have his last year. Right? In, and that's
0: yeah. it. Jeter is obviously around next year and the year after. I I, I can't tell you what's going to happen or what should happen because I'd, I'd, I'm, I I, still don't know if anyone knows what kind of player he is. I mean, he started out looking so poorly, and um, he's been better lately. He's been getting on base, leading off games. You know, I wanted to see what would happen, you know, once we get to June, July, August, the hot weather comes along. You know, if Derek Jeter finishes a year hitting 280, which he's not far off from, I mean, it's hard to say he's a completely washed-up player. Right. It um, almost you know, reminds for, me of
2: Ortiz. You know, Ortiz had, over the last two years, had these gruesome Aprils. You know, but then when it got to the end of the year, his numbers were about what you'd expect from David Ortiz.
0: Right. Listen, you're not going to get what you got at one point in his career, but you, you have enough talent around him, though, where if he becomes a 280 hitter, it really shouldn't be the end of the world. Um,
2: what about you his know. defense? You, you watch every night. Is his defense- Yeah, I mean, his
0: defense... Is you know a lot? Of, I think the the hullabaloo that's made about how bad he is defensively is extremely overrated. Oh, um, so do I. You know he's not out there booting balls left and right. You know he does. Yeah, there are balls that happen. There are balls that he doesn't get to that you you know another shortstop might get to. But I don't think you know they come out with these statistics, which I, I'm not into defensive statistics. I think. I don't. I don't see how you can measure defensives. These like you know balls he should have gotten to or whatever. But um, I you know I think if you watch him every single day, you see that you know he has some issues with his range. But it, he's not as bad as as uh, a lot of Yankee haters would like you to believe.
2: Yeah, and him, you know, and he's he's always been he's always been there too in the sense that he's very steady. I mean, except for the start of the one season where I think he had maybe six errors or whatever. He's so steady and dependable that maybe a ball gets through or whatever, but you can, you can always count on him back there. He, like you said, he's not booting balls all over the place. All right. Another thing you love that I love is the 80s. And mm-hmm. when, I, when I think about the 80s, probably my three favorite things are the A-Team, the Karate Kid, and WrestleMania three. So I say to you, what are your favorite things from the 80s? What makes the 80s so great for you? And what do you think about my
0: favorite things from the 80s? Well, I I, wanted, I, I guess my most favorite thing probably, um, I have to say, were the sitcoms. Uh, different Strokes, um, Family Ties, um, The Cosby Show. I, I think the 80s, really, uh, the sitcoms in the 80s were outstanding. Growing Pains is another one. So the sitcoms would definitely be one, obviously, the music, the cheesy, the cheesy music that people mock that I love, whether it's Culture Club or um, Slam or, uh, you know, but even the good, you know, you had Prince, you had Michael Jackson. Um, so the music, obviously, is a huge factor for me as well. And uh, I guess, you know, in terms of sports, too, it was... It was not to sound like an old person, but you know, it was it was a nicer time, and that you know, you didn't have ads all over the ballpark on the on the fences and and all over the you know stadiums, and it, you know, it was uh, more about sports than money and advertising, which now that's all really sports is there for.
2: The sports casters are here with Jimmy Traines from Side dot com. You can find his Hot Clicks feature. It appears in the morning and in the afternoon. He's also on Twitter. He is, let me get it right, is it just at Jimmy Trainer? Is that right? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, it's at Jimmy Trainer. so you can find him there. A couple more minutes before we let you go, a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have debuted a podcast, and yes. it's fantastic. What, what brought you to you. do the podcast, and how you been landing such uh, spectacular guests?
4: Well,
0: you know, obviously, things keep changing and evolving in, in this internet medium, and Podcasts have have uh, cropped up on many sites, and it, uh, basically, I was I don't I don't I don't want to say I was getting bored with hot clicks. It's, that's not the right way to phrase it. But I was just looking for something new and something fresh to do. So that was a factor. People at SI were asking me to do one. I got a, I got asked by a few people to. Uh, to try it out and I despise doing um written interviews because they just take up too much of my time because I have to tape them and transcribe them and produce them for the web. So I thought this would be a good way to do interviews as well without having to do a ton of work. So that's sort of how it all came together. Um, but booking guests has been, you know, it's, it's a huge it takes up a lot of time and it's tiring yeah. in the neck. To deal with PR people and and making sure you have someone every week, and so that part of it is not fun. But that's really the only bad the only bad part of it is um... is trying to get a guest every week because I do it all on my own. I don't have any booker or anyone helping me do it. So
2: has Gary Delabate been your favorite guest so far? I assume
0: <laughs> he was. I mean, he was. It was, it was that was that was. Um, very special for me, obviously, because I've listened to the show for so long. I, all my guests have been good. I mean, I can't. It's hard to. It's hard to say he was my. I mean, I did Chris. I had Chris Russo on my first show, right? And that that was a lot of fun, just because, you know, he was in full Chris Mad Russo mode. <laughs> so I got a kick out of that. Um, Chris cooley was absolutely hysterical. Uh, it's probably. I mean, that was one of my favorite ones, just because he's so honest and uh... he was really funny. And C.J. Wilson of the Rangers is a great guy because he always has a lot to say. So he was good. So what I'm trying to do with this is I'm trying to find people who I want to interview who might not be, you know, like the top of the line Hall of Fame superstars. I want the guys who are going to talk, are going to say some interesting things, are going to be funny, are not going to give me cliche answers. So that's why I'm 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 interviewing some of the people who you see me interviewing, and so because I I'm doing that they're all fun to me because I know these people have, are not just going to be boring and give me standard answers.
2: You've had some cool athletes on, and I think that's probably by design, but have you found the athlete interviews to be harder than the non-athlete interviews or like, uh, you know? Um, you- yeah.
0: yeah. it's interesting. Yes. And no. I mean, it depends. Like Chris Cooley knows me a little
3: bit because I've done a few
0: interviews with him and it's the same thing with TJ Wilson. So those are easy to do. Um, I had Hunter Pence on from the Astros. That one's like a little more difficult because he doesn't know me. I don't know him. I'm trying to feel my way around it. And by the time I feel like the interview is like getting into a good groove, you know, it's over. But I think the best ones are the ones when you know the person and you can really just—you don't have to. You don't always have to be thinking of of trying to, you know, be like you know, Joe interviewer where you could just be yourself and just talk and have a... Con- I, I really want to be more of a conversation than, you know, me ask, you answer, me ask, you answer. So, um, you know, some are going to flow easy and, and some are going to be tough.
2: Hmm. Uh, have you thought about... Let's go back to Twitter just for one second real sure. quick. You, how has Twitter helped you do what you do? What Do you have any specific goals with Twitter or is it just like kind of... Yeah,
0: it, it's helped me immensely because basically um i get a lot of links for hot clicks on twitter and i use twitter you know i always get people saying to me like oh why don't you follow this person or you should follow this person or why don't you follow this person but i follow specific people because i try to follow people who i think will give me links for hot clicks i don't follow people who are giving me opinions all day because i use it i use it for to get material for hot clicks so i'm very specific about why i'm following certain people so i I use it for hot clips. That that's, that's pretty much the gist of it.
2: Have you ever tried a Twitter interview? We, we had an experience last week where I was in contact with David Justice. And I really wanted right. to have, we do these like, when we have athletes on, we usually kind of separate them from the show and we do these athlete spotlights. We did one with Deuce McAllister. It was probably our best one. And we just talked to him, the athlete, for about a half an hour. Kind of isolate it let it stand on its own. Well, David Justice insisted that we do a Twitter interview, and it was just the, the hardest thing I've ever done.
0: I mean, Yeah, to- I would imagine it's difficult to do. I Yeah, it doesn't sound... I think I tried to do one over IM once a few years ago, and that was a disaster, too. Um, I could Yeah, a Twitter interview might be very tough to do. I've done things where I've taken questions from people, and I think that's easy. I just respond, but I don't know how you how you do a one-on-one interview and then turn it around.
2: Well, like, you know who's been really successful with it is James Miller, the author of the ESPN book. And he's done a few with um, a couple of ESPN personalities. And because I had seen those, I thought, okay, we can try this out with Dave Justice. But the problem was, is Dave Justice was retweeting other people you know, in the middle of this interview, oh, God. you know what I mean. Like he's sending retweets. Hey, Dave, can you retweet me? I'm a big fan, and he's putting That's those right. out. You know, and I'm trying. I'm asking him questions. You only have 140 characters. You know, like one time I forgot to put at David Justice in front of the question, so it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. And right. uh, just I don't know. I was just
0: curious. Yeah, it, it to sounds angry. like a lot of trouble.
2: Yeah, it was a <laughs> dis- it was a disaster. So. Where does hot clicks go from here? Where do you see hot clicks in the next few years? How is it going to evolve?
0: It's a good question, and something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, I don't know if I have the answer yet. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a very good question, it, especially with Twitter on it. Twitter is really changing the game. So I don't know. I you know I wonder if there's going to come a day where people aren't going to need hot clicks. Um, you know, if everyone's on Twitter and they're following certain people, you know, it's it's. I feel like it's sort of at a crossroads, and I—I'm not trying to give you a cop-out answer. I just—I honestly don't even know where it's going to go from here. I think, though, what's good for me is being on a "quote-unquote" mainstream site. Um, as long as they give me a place to do the off-beaten, lighter stories, which is really what I cover, I think I'll be okay here at SI because you know we're still a mainstream site. We're not a blog, so if my sort of little corner of the world here can be the stuff that's in hot clicks, whether the format changes, you know, who knows, but I think the, the content that I, that I cover, um, you know, I should be fine going on with that going forward. There's always going to be hot chicks, right? If nothing (laughs) else. Yeah. I always think I'm going to run out, but people send in another one every day. So.
2: Right. There's always, there's always going to be babes. There's always going to be people doing stupid stuff on the playground.
0: Exactly, and yeah, uh, the, every day I say, "Wow, and now I 've seen it all, and then the next day happens, and I see something new.
2: Well, thank you very much for this. I really appreciate it it's Jimmy Turner. Oh, again he's from sportsillustrated.com. dot com You can find his hot clicks segment right in the extra mustard you click on extra mustard and bam there's hot clicks usually right at the top and he's got his podcast is there a, is there a schedule for the podcast or do you just kind of do it when you do it
0: we usually run it later in the week like on you know wednesday thursday that's the goal and uh it should be up uh we should have this week's up on wednesday it'll be um rich eisen from the nfl network we taped it today and it was uh it was very fun Awesome. So that will be uh this week
2: All right, well, thank you very much. Uh, Oh, I forgot to plug the Twitter again. It's at Jimmy Traina T-R-A-I-N-A. And uh, thank you very much for for joining us. Hopefully we can do it again soon.
0: Thank you. Yes, let's do it again soon. I uh, appreciate you having me on.
2: Thanks, buddy. (laughs) All right, back for a Quick Book Club update. Here's where we're at. I don't know what's going on with Ian O'Connor. We have, a, <laughs> <laughs> we have a promise from his publisher and from him that he'll be on. But last I heard, he's so swamped that it's going to have to be at the end of this month. So the end of this month is soon, so I assume Ian O'Connor will be on soon. That's where that stands.
1: They said that in May, you're saying? Yeah. Like. Okay, so the end of the month has already passed, then. No, 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 no. They said oh, the end June. of June. Okay. Yeah, they said the end of June. So... Hopefully
2: he should be on in the next couple of shows. We may take a couple of weeks off in July. Hopefully he is on before that, if that happens. I'm not. We haven't really discussed it fully yet. Anyway, but that was kind of the plan. Uh, as far as Andrew Bagsley and his San Francisco Giants book, the last I heard from the publisher was, "Do you need a copy of the book?" I said, "Yes." Haven't heard anything. Haven't gotten a copy of the book. Haven't been back for them. So I guess what I'm saying right now is just enjoy your summer. <laughs> read the ESPN book if you are hungry for sports books. It's a Bible. It's humongous. Yep. Uh, I fibbed last week on the podcast that I read it all. I haven't. I'm not like on page <laughs> 345.
1: That's not bad. It's like 780 it's or something. It's fun,
2: though. It is a fun, it is a fun read. And yeah. there's, certain parts, there's certain parts of it where you, you really get excited to read it. What I really wanted to do with the book club today is something that Peter King does. Peter King's been on our show. He's a friend of ours. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, (laughs) every year in his Monday Morning Quarterback column, he suggests books to give for Father's Day gifts. And I've never given my father a book for Father's Day, but maybe this is the year to do it. And we've been doing this book club, and since we have a book club, we should recommend some books uh, that could be great Father's Day gifts. So... That's what we're going to do. Don and I are going to throw out about three or four books each to recommend and uh, be more than, you know, hopefully you will consider purchasing one of them for your for a Father's Day gift and uh, maybe even purchase it for yourself. And feel free to email us at thesportscasters at gmail.com if you ever want to talk about books. We're always available to talk about them. And I know all of the ones that I'm going to recommend, I've read at least part of them.
1: Yeah, I I have too. Um, I kind of cheated a little bit in that they're not directly related to sports. I know we didn't necessarily say they had to be, but uh, they're close enough. Uh, the first one I'm going to recommend is Adam Carolla's book, In 50 Years We'll All Be Chicks, and Other Complaints from an Angry Middle-Aged White Guy. I know it's available in hardcover. That's what I have, and uh, they just released it in paperback with a new chapter. Fantasy football. All about right? how much he hates fantasy football, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, it uh, combines my favorite things, and that's comedy and sports, and all about his experience being a dad and all that type of thing. So, uh, highly recommended.
2: I actually read the Kindle version of it. Yeah, which was no different, I don't think, than the hardcover version Probably of the not, book. No. But uh, it was very, it was a very, very fun book to read. Real quick, it's easy to read, really yeah. easy to read, a uh, lot of laughs. So, definitely a good recommendation there. The first book I'm going to recommend is the last book that I finished uh, from beginning to end, and that is the Derek Jeter book by Ian O'Connor. I feel kind of silly to recommend it just because (laughs) right now he's stiff-arming us a little bit, but you know what? The fact of the matter is, it's look it, it's two books. The first half of the book is all about Derek Jeter's rise, his championships, and then the second half of the book is is more Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez. If you're interested in the Yankees, if you're interested in Derek Jeter, I definitely recommend The Captain, The Journey of Derek Jeter by Ian O'Connor.
1: My second book, another one by a comedian. Uh, He's more directly related to sports, but the book isn't so much. It's Jay Moore's book, No Wonder My Parents Drank, Tales from a Stand-Up Dad. His sports connection, obviously, is he does a lot of work on the Jim Rome show. But again, it's just... It's kind of quick hitter things about being a dad, about growing up with his parents and sports and just life in general. And if you're going to give a book to your dad, why not one about being a dad? So uh, another funny book, quick read, uh, right up my alley. Did you like Gary Unmarried? I never saw it. You know, I
2: thought it was a really funny show the first season. Really funny. Like, laugh out loud funny. I would look forward to watching it every year. And then it, the second season, it, for whatever reason, it took some creative turns that I didn't understand. He started working at a radio station. And
1: Jay, I, Jay, Jay I Moore is kind of a weird guy. I saw a picture on the internet the other day that uh, dorks will get, but maybe not everyone will. But it, the caption was, How to get your show canceled. And it was a picture of a girl. And it said, Step one, cast Summer glow. Step two, get canceled. She's the girl <laughs> that was from Serenity. She was uh, the Terminator and the Sarah Connor Chronicles. But I think Jay Moore might be the male version of Summer Glau. Like, everything he's on, he's a funny guy. He's a likable guy. But nothing he's on seems to stick. No, not at all.
2: My second book is called Lasting Yankee Stadium Memories, Unforgettable Tales from the House that Ruth Built. And it's actually by our next guest, Alex Belth. Well, he compiled the book. What it is is it's a book of essays by all kinds of people that you've heard of. People like Joe Piznanski, Jane Levy, Uh, who else is in here, Uh, Jay Jaffe, Jonah Carey, Rob Neuer, and each of them just have a two- or three-page essay about their memories of Yankee Stadium. And it's a really cool book because you don't have to read it all at once. Each essay, like I said, is about two to four pages, and each one reads as a different book. So you can, it's a great book for the bathroom. Just kind of throw on the toilet, and every time you go in there, yeah. just read another essay. And I think Alex did a really good job uh, getting some really cool people to talk about Yankee Stadium, and you learn about, about, a lot about history, a lot of the different things that happened at Yankee Stadium. It's one of the books I'd like to recommend.
1: My, la- my last book I have is also a good uh, uh, crapper book, and that's uh, the author actually described it that way, and that's our friend uh, Puck Daddy, Greg Washinsky, and he has Glow Pucks and Ten Cent Beer. I actually got this for my stepdad. I've yet to give it to him because of, like, weird just events. Every time I see him, I don't have it, or he comes over and I don't have it, whatever. But uh, I have it. It's sitting on my toilet. And once in a while, you just open it up, and you read about one of the 101 worst ideas in sports history. And it's same thing, humorous take uh, on all different sports, hockey, uh, golf, baseball, right down the line. My last book, I don't know if your
2: dad likes wrestling or not, <laughs> I used to always watch it with my dad, though, and the best wrestling book I've ever read is called Hitman, My Real Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling. It's by Bret the Hitman Hart. It's a little bit of a, of a longer book, but what's cool about it is right now you can buy it for $6.80 on Amazon. Uh, also, the Kindle edition is only $9.99, and the hardcover is even less, $5.98. So it's a cheap option. Cheaper than a bag of socks. Oh, yeah. And it's a really good book. Uh, He's very candid, very honest about things like steroids and death in wrestling, his relationship with Vince McMahon.
1: Was that after or before his brother died?
2: Well after.
1: It was well after? Yeah,
2: well after. So he talks all about that, his regrets.
1: He can't be a big fan of Vince, then. He's
2: not a big fan (laughs) of Vince. Uh, They've had a very checkered history. And it's a very interesting book. Um, so I would recommend that.
1: Was it, you liked it more than uh, who had the big ones that sold really well? Mankind's books.
2: Mankind's books are cool in this, and they're just kind of silly, though. Right? This is a,
1: well, it, his books
2: are silly. He wrote them himself, and that's another thing I love about the Bratton Man Heart book is he wrote it himself, and it's all from uh, very smartly for whatever reason he had kept audio journal really through his whole career. That's cool. So a lot of the stuff he took from there, and it's about his family. Obviously, a great wrestling family, and uh, a couple interesting things. Uh, make sure you check out uh, Peter King's Monday Morning Quarterback this week. You can find the books that he recommended. One of the books he recommended is The Extra 2% by jo- right. Jonah Carey, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Another book he recommended is one that I really want to read, and I've been, th- I've been thinking about grabbing it, and uh, at this point I might wait for the, for the paperback, but it's The Last Boy. Mickey Mantle and the End of America's Childhood by Jane Levy. Everything I've heard is is a really great book uh, about baseball. And the last one uh, that I noticed on his list that I want to read is something that he hasn't read but wants to read as well, and it's called When the Cheering Stops, Bill Parcells' The 1990 Giants and the Price of Greatness, and that's by William Benditson and Leonard Marshall. And it's a cool book for people in Buffalo because the 1990 Giants – out of the team that beat the Bills yeah. in the wide-right game. Uh, so it just seems really interesting. I love Bill Parcells. He's really fascinating to me. And this is a book that I think I want to get, and I want to track down William Benderson, and maybe we can make this uh, a book of the month, maybe in the fall when football is not fighting over nonsense. <laughs> but that's that. We just wanted to take a few minutes and recommend some books, and we will be right back with one of the authors of one of my recommendations, Alex Belth. our uh, next guest has one of the most diverse and eclectic resumes in the history of the sports casters he has worked in the film industry and known titles such as swim fan and the cult hit the big Lebowski. he has also worked on the ken burns masterpiece baseball he was also the driving force behind lasting yankee stadium memories unforgettable tales from the house that ruth built featuring contributions from bob costas joe pasnansky rob nyer tony Kohnheiser. And many other esteemed writers. He also compiled a series of essays by the great sports writer Pat Jordan, appropriately titled The Best Sports Writing of Pat Jordan. Today he is a columnist for Sports Illustrated, sportsillustrated.com, and the proprietor of the Bronx Banter blog. A warm sportscaster's welcome for the second time to Alex Belf. How are you doing today, Alex?
1: Good, man. Great to hear from you guys.
2: Yeah, very excited to have you.
1: Right off the bat, the first question i got to ask you, Alex, is uh, we're looking at your website. Have you really well, not contributed to your own site since February 18th?
3: Really? That's news to me. Oh, because I've I I, contributed. I, I just, you, might, you might be looking at an old link. I've just contributed 11 times today. Oh, <laughs> okay, because I'm
1: looking at your, uh, I looked under staff and at your posts and the newest one. All right, forget it then. It
3: should just be <laughs> BronxBanterBlog.com. Yeah, no, 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 I'm still there, ma'am.
1: Okay,
2: just making sure. I noticed that the site went over, uh, you guys had a really, it's new design, really nice. Tell me about that.
3: Yeah, Yeah, you know, it was a a thing where, you know, after a while it sort of felt like, you know, in the blog scroll, just the format of a blog scroll, I felt that, you know, in updating so often, you know, we're losing a lot of stuff that I might have liked to keep around or feature in a way, so, um, I worked with a guy named Ken Arnson who, uh, who was um, the guy who ran Baseball Toaster, which is uh, which was a website that had a bunch of blogs, including uh, Dodger Thoughts and uh, Cardboard Gods, uh, and I was one of the sites over there. And uh, before I moved on to uh, a platform with SNY, so Ken hooked me up with a designer, and Ken coded uh, this sort of new look, which was a way that could really make it serve more as a website than just really a blog and. You know, Bronx Banter started as a as a Yankee site, but it's always had a lot of New York lifestyle, culture Arts, yeah. aspect to it. And uh, this new, you know, this new format that we have was is sort of able to highlight that a lot more because you know I write about food and art and culture, and as as much as I write about the Yankees, and you know, quite frankly, you know, the Yankees is still the main. Uh, thrust of the site but it doesn't it's not an overwhelming amount of content uh you know like if i post 10 times a day probably two or three of them are about the yankees uh and i I have to say that you know this is my ninth year doing it you know it's tough to just write about baseball 365 days a year so for me i've actually been real happy having a bunch of really great contributors to the site that have their own sensibilities but keep the the, the quality level really high um, but it also allows me to stay fresh on baseball as well as write about other things that interest me as well
2: Let's start with the baseball We are, yeah. what are we, about 60 games in or so uh, yeah, y- man. Yankees in first place What's your take just in general on the season so far? Bartolo Cologne, the biggest surprise for the Yanks so far?
3: I mean he's up there uh, I mean yeah, probably Cologne. I mean, I don't know. It's been one of those years where I, I was talking to a couple of people recently where they felt uh, that this season has been really kind of boring, or they felt really an indifference to to the season. There's not really a lot of juice. You know, the year in '09 when they when they won the World Series, it seemed even early on they were winning a lot of come-from-behind games, and so there was a that was sort of dramatic, and also because the Yankees hadn't won in a little while, there was, I think, the, the natural tension, you know, within the, within the fan base that was, you know, really hyped up. But I kind of think the Yankees have played a little better than I thought they were going to play. I wasn't really so sure how the season was going to turn out. And, um, you know, they're not great. And it turns out that a lot of their flaws have been offensive and not, um, you know, not from the pitching. Freddie Garcia has been great. I mean, they, you know, if you were to say that they were going to lose uh, Phil Hughes so early on and that they would actually play well, uh, you know, I would have been surprised. Now, uh, so Cologne's been, yeah, he's been tremendous. And, uh, you know, not only not only did they lose Hughes, but Soriano's pretty much been a non-factor for them.
4: Right, yeah. So,
3: you know, the fact that David Robertson's pitched so well, um, yeah, I think it's been, you know, they're sort of doing a little bit better than I had anticipated. You know, they've gotten their asses handed to them by the Sox so far this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can turn that around this week, maybe just even win two out of three against Boston here in New York. Uh, and obviously Boston started out lousy, but I think as we all, I don't think anyone's surprised that they've picked it up. I mean, they're, no. they're just so loaded. That, yeah. uh, you know, it was just going to be a matter of time and, you know, if, if the Yankees stay healthy, you would you would have to think that it's going to be, you know, you can't d- count the Rays out, but uh, with the Yankees' money and with actually having some chips in in the minor leagues to to, to deal with, you'd have to figure the Yankees are going to make some sort of moves to uh, to bolster the roster before it's all said and done.
1: You kind of alluded to it, but like you said, it is strange that there's not one player in the regular rotation, hitting 300. And the only one even really close to it is Arod. yet they still manage first place in the division right yeah, now. I guess
3: it just goes to show you that the batting average is overrated, but I mean, <laughs> when you're hitting the ball out of the park like they do, right. I mean, even Posada, who's having a dreadful year, has six, six home, home runs. runs so yeah. he's done something at some point, at least a little bit, you know. I think the thing that's worri- worrisome for them is that, you know, Swisher's had a really off year, uh... Gardner's had a really off year, um, and after starting off really great, Cano hasn't really been, you know, all that terrific for them either. So y- you'd have to think that there's, with those guys, there's room for improvement. Uh, Posada,
1: yeah, I think you have
3: to have really be an optimistic person to expect <laughs> more out of him. Um, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Maybe he does have a couple of streaks. He has hit the ball. He did hit the ball well in in uh, in California this weekend, uh, even though he wasn't getting a lot of hits. Uh, and you'd have to think Jeter pretty much is what he is now. You know, right? Again, he might he might have a, a month period of time where he's got a little more life in his bat or something like that. But I think he'll hit
2: 280. Know, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I I think he's coming around. He's at 260 already as it gets a little bit warmer in July, August. How excited are you for 3000? Is that big to you? Are you pumped? I mean, is it something you're looking forward to 14 hits away? It's coming
3: pumped is probably the wrong word, but yeah, heck yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, no Yankees ever done it. Nope. So, you know, look, uh, you know, a lot of Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the talk with Jeter now is you're dealing with an aging superstar. So, you know, a lot of the discussions are, quite frankly, they're depressing, no matter how you feel about Jeter. Um, You know, I understand a lot of the arguments uh, that are critical of him, uh, and that's fair enough, but I also know that the, you know, the reality is, is that the Yankees are pinned into a little bit of a difficult situation with him in that he is such an icon that what might be right for the team on the field, it's just not realistically going to happen. They're just not going to trade for Jose Reyes. They're not going to bump the guy down to seventh in the lineup, at least not yet. You know, I, I sort of feel like this year Jeter gets a pass. Right. You know, this offseason, I think a lot of that stuff will start to get addressed, and next year there might be different, a different look there and you know as you guys know as baseball fans even for the great ones mostly things do not end on a pretty note so uh i guess that's one of the interesting challenges for Jeter a guy who's had such a remarkable string of good fortune i mean he's been a great player but he's also had an incredibly fun in a lot of ways you know with uh publicity uh his, his image
2: jeffrey you Mayer. know <laughs> What's that? I said Jeffrey yeah, Mayer. Yeah.
3: yeah, You know, I mean, five frickin' championships. I mean, this guy's really had a charmed career. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how it, he handles his decline. Um, you know, it's sort of easy to be a guy like Jason Giambi, who...
2: He's cut know, out cheeseburgers. Peter out and then
3: <laughs> right. says, oh, you know, I can hang around for a little while in the National League as a pinch hitter and a spot starter. And, you know, he can sort of slowly fade away. But, uh, you know, he wasn't an alpha male playing shortstop for the New York Yankees for his whole career. So there's, there's a far way to fall. And as, you know, we saw a couple of weeks ago with Posada, last time they played the Red Sox, for people who, you know, it's often the the pride and the competitiveness that makes you great that can sometimes make you look real human and vulnerable later in your career when it, it's as if uh, you're the last to know that your skills are waning, you know?
2: You have to be really excited about Curtis Granderson and what he's the way he's played this season,
4: huh?
3: Yeah, he's pretty much the guy that you you expected him to be last year when they traded for him, and I guess that early season injury last year, you know, he just really wasn't quite himself until the last third of the season. But, uh, yeah, a guy that doesn't hit for high average, but... Shoot, what you got, eight or nine home runs against lefties? I mean, it's tremendous. Slugging
2: 594.
3: Yeah, I mean, especially when he came over last year and the whole bugaboo was that he couldn't hit lefties at all. Uh, So he's been, been, you know, tremendous. And I think he's a pretty, you know, I've never seen Jeter argue so much, but I have seen Jeter argue. Granted, Granderson hasn't been there that long. I've never seen the guy... I mean he's really unflappable. I mean he never gets hot at all. Uh even if he's slumping. Uh so he, I think he's a pretty popular Yankee with the fans. People seem to have taken to him.
2: You said that uh some people have been claiming uh complaining a little bit there isn't that much juice to the season. Well, in the American League East, there's going to be juice soon because I mean you got the Yankees at 33 and 24, Red Sox 33 and 26, Tampa Bay has 31 wins, and even Toronto has 30. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun race. And you know if Seattle can stick around, they have 31 wins. and Detroit has 32. Of the other second place teams. It's not going to be a given that the AL East, although probably, but it's not, it's going to be a race even for the wild card. So I think it's going to be a fun season towards the end here.
3: I think so, too. But you have to remember, I think the mindset of a lot of Yankee fans, certainly more casual Yankee fans, is like, ho-hum, let's talk it on August 31st. You know what I mean? They're just like, we're going to be there. There's an arrogance that's built in there, and really an entitlement because the team has been so successful. And I think, you know, there's some, for the more hardcore fans, there is some excitement about some of the prospects they have, Jesus Montero. Uh, Manny Benoelos, some of those guys, but they're not quite here yet. And so what you have in the present is you have, you know, the reality of dealing with the decline of the, you know, the great Yankees from the Tory years. And so there's maybe that's part of what, you know, has created a little indifference from from some fans or, you know, reserved emotions, but. Yeah, I mean, the deeper into the season it goes, and believe me, uh, and again, I don't know about twenty minutes. Most Yankee fans could be pretty pumped up once the Red Sox start. You know, when yeah. the
2: Red Sox uh, You know, a lot of your blog is about living in New York. What's kind of the what's the mood like in New York right now? The Mets are a disaster. You know, football is on lockout still. Uh, it, are, is, are people into the hockey at all? People into the basketball at all? What's just like kind of the general mood of the New York sports fan right now?
3: Well, last week severe depression over the uh, you know the fact that Donnie Walsh wasn't going to stick around in the Garden. Uh, with hockey, you know, you have to be a hockey head, you know, to really care. Uh, I'm not a hockey person. I really like Lee Montfell had a had a great piece in, the, in Sports Illustrated last week about the about the Bruins making the, the, the Stanley Cup and harkening back to the old days of the Derek Sanderson Bruins in the 70s. That was pretty cool. But, um, you know, at least from just people that I chat with, you know, in my comings and goings, whether it's a bus driver or a guy online at the deli or whatever, basketball is always, you know, basketball is always the topic, I think, that can engage people. So a lot of people I know have been stoked about the finals. I mean, First of all, because the Heat are kind of easy team to either love or hate. right? And, uh, you know, the Mavericks are a likable team, too. So I, I, spoke, I actually talked to more people today about Game 4 of the NBA Finals than I did about the Yankee, Yankee Red Sox series.
2: You know, in Buffalo, we're not a city that pays a lot of attention to basketball. But I think it's been different this year because we found a villain in LeBron James and the Heat because we're a small market and we can relate to having our players kind of ripped from us like Cleveland did. And I think
3: Yeah, I mean it, it seems everyone has uh I mean heck Yeah, I mean even if you're in big markets people have really turned on I don't you know it's weird. I mean LeBron played there for 9 years. There's no there's no shame in what he did. I think that what stuck in people's crawl was the way he went about it. Right, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And even that you would think at some point should be forgivable. Um, But, again, it's almost like the A-Rod thing. The best player, most money. You know, you're kind of looking sometimes to to find a guy to to root against. And guys like A-Rod and LeBron, they're the bad guys, but they don't relish wearing the black hat necessarily like for instance Jose Batista looks like a guy who could wear a black hat and he <laughs> seems like just a nasty dude I don't know about him personally but he's got a little bit of an attitude and he wears out well it seems to suit his persona just fine you know uh, LeBron sort of wanted to be a really likable guy and then everyone sort of thinks he's a shithead you know uh, he's still the greatest player in the game right now but as great as he is, he is he is hard to, to like, and I formerly did like him, uh, but he, I find it hard to root for the guy as a matter of fact. the only guy that I really like i, I don 't mind uh, Spolster. I like their coach you know because he's sort of an unlikely head coach right, and uh, everyone sort of said that they'd never be able to do any good unless Riley was coaching the team, so I, I kind of like that and I do like uh, Chris Bosch there was a great um there was a great profile on Bosch at ESPN.com yesterday, written by a woman, oh man, I'm just forgetting her name now, Melissa something or other, oh, I apologize about that, it was Will an ESPN.com com piece, and she did a really great job, and he just seems like a a pretty interesting guy, and certainly a guy who's taken a lot of, no pun intended, a lot of heat for not being as great as LeBron and, and, and Wade are, but... Although he's been a little erratic in the playoffs, in pretty much every series the Heat have played, Chris Bosh has come up big in at least a couple of those games. Uh, Hit the big shot last last game,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, and he he took it in the eye last game and and still hit the hit the winning shot. You know, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I thought there was a little hockey in him there, you know, like he took it in the eye and his eye looked nasty, but he battled through it and there's kind of a toughness to him in that sense, and I kind of respected that. Definitely. Yeah, so I'm kind of on the same page with you as uh, coming around on Bosch. How does New York relate to Cuban? Is uh, Cuban a guy who rings out in New York, or is he someone that kind of annoys the New York sports fan?
3: I think that probably, I mean, I can't obviously speak for, you know, fans in general, but I I tend to think people like Mark Cuban, you know. I like him. Looks, yeah. You know, what's not to like? That he pisses David Stern off? No way, that's great. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, he you know he puts the asses in the seat. He puts the money where his mouth is. Kind of a guy, you know. He's basically like George Steinbrenner, but not quite as boorish. And uh, certainly this uh, during this run, he's been he's been really tame. You know, you, you don't really see him out in front of his team. And uh, yeah, I think he's probably a pretty, generally pretty like guy. I'll tell you what, fantasy pie in the sky. I'm sure they talk about it on talk radio, or have, you know, I'm sure people would have loved the idea of uh, a guy like that buying into the Mets. That's for sure.
1: Did you did you watch his reality show at all when it was on? However many years ago, probably <laughs> <laughs> almost.
4: That no, no, no. was it good. <laughs> it oh
1: was man, <laughs> the, the first episode of the reality show he uh, it was one of the, it was like a survivor type show. I can't remember. He was just giving away money for whatever reason. And the first episode, the elimination came down Jenga? to a game of Jenga. <laughs> 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 oh shit! <laughs> yeah, he just did whatever he wanted. It was hilarious.
2: Yeah, the the win the winner of the Jenga game got to stay on, and the oh, loser had to, had to go, go home. home. Yep. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah it's pretty funny i you know what I've noticed you've been you've been writing it seems a little bit more for Sports Illustrated recently. see the way I read Sports Illustrated now ever since we've had that show is I look for mm-hmm. people that have been on the show and I read them first, and like Tom Verducci, oh. who hasn't been on like I kind of put his article to the back <laughs> you know but like but uh, I've just seemed to notice you uh just being in the magazine a little bit more is that have you taken a little bit of more increased role there or? Is it yeah, just, a- just you
3: know, I know the guys who are the editors at, at Scorecard, uh, the section in, in the front of the book, right? and uh, I've basically just you know been hustling and pitching them ideas about you know, covering different books. Obviously, in the spring, when a lot of new baseball titles come up, you know, there, there's stuff that they like to cover. Um, and there's even other than baseball books, there's been a ton of interesting sports books that have come out
4: mm-hmm. uh,
3: this spring. My favorite, which is actually a boxing book. It's a collection called At the Fights, which was edited by George Kimball and John Shulian, who are veteran sports writers, who are both terrific guys and fascinating guys in their own right. Uh, and it's, it's for the Library of America, which is a really prestigious nonprofit publishing house. And uh, yeah, I'm not a huge boxing fan by any stretch, but I have to say that even more than baseball, I think that... Uh, you, there's probably more good writing about boxing than any other sport, and it's just a great collection. Talk about a good Father's Day gift! Uh, Father's Day gift. Uh, I mean, that to me, that would be, you know, front and center. And uh, yeah, I got to write about George Vesey's book uh, on Stan Usual a couple of weeks ago for SI, and so that, that that's been fun. And it's always interesting writing for. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean I won't lie. It's nice to get in sports illustrated that's a nice thing but it's also nice to write for different venues and to uh you know to learn how to write 400 words that mean something if you you know you have just a, a short amount of space how do you actually get your thoughts together and write something that uh makes sense i mean the the pieces for si they're not really reviews si doesn't really do proper book reviews they don't review anything that they don't like so right. they're really more appreciations I don't want to say I don't want to discount them by saying they're just puff pieces, but they're more you know things that they like and that you endorse, and you say, hey, listen, this is a reason you should go out and pick this up. Um, so I've actually I've actually really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun.
2: Do you find that when you're in Sports Illustrated, it gives a boost to the Bronx Banter blog, or have you seen no connection there?
3: I don't know that there's a connection there, but um, to be honest with you, I uh, I don't obsessively look. at... Uh, keep track over traffic at Bronx mm. Banter. I've done it in the past at different times, but at a certain point, I sort of felt that Banter had kind of plateaued in terms of traffic. Okay. And it is it is what it is. Uh, and it's not to say that I don't like to have traffic there, but if uh, if I start to obsess about how many people are coming, or how many hits, then I'll just get depressed, you know, because really I I do the site because it's part of me, you know. I do it because I I have to do it. And so, you know, there's, if you strictly, if you're just a a hardcore Yankee fan and that's all you want to to read about, you're not going to be reading Bronx Panther. You're going to be reading River Avenue Blues. You're going to be reading NoMosh. You're going to be reading Was Watching or The Yankee Analyst. And I would assume there's a whole host of fans that read, a bunch of these blogs you know what i mean yeah but if, if you read banter yeah you do want to follow the yankees but you're also looking to follow like a new york city lifestyle site so you know we definitely and so i think we have a a, a real diverse crowd but it's not a crowd that's going to bring you like bill simmons kind of ratings. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and um so i'm very content with knowing what we are I mean, for instance, today I ran a piece on Jack Mann, who was a legendary sports editor and sports columnist. He was at Newsday, he was in D.C., he was at Sports Illustrated in the 60s, and I ran a big piece on him. Now, I don't even think my Yankee audience would really care that much about that, you know? But anyone who cares about sports writing would. And I know that if someone Googles Jack Mann and wants to read up on him, that if, they're directed to the site, and I can put out some stuff out there that I think is, you know, interesting and important, at um, least important for me, you know, that you know I'm, I'm happy for Banter to be the home for that kind of stuff. So I guess what I mean to say is that the stuff that f- sustains me and, f- and drives me on the site isn't always stuff that necessarily is gonna result in the highest ratings.
2: Just make sure that you don't go to any Mets games with the sign that has BronxBanterblog.com on it.
3: <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be an although maybe if it was Bronx blog, they wouldn't mind so much.
2: Oh, they wouldn't toss you, you don't think? They might let you stay stay in the game. You hear maybe, I'll
3: tell you if I went to Yankee Stadium with that they sure as hell would toss me, that's for sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I saw that today, that the poor guy from, I don't even remember his site, the extra7.com or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right, it's the Sportscasters here. We're with Alex Belth, the BronxBanzerBlog.com. We have to let him go in a second because he has to watch the Yankees game. Obviously obviously a priority. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at AlexBelth. What else is going on before we let you go? What's, uh, what's coming up in the future? Are you going to be an SI at all? Are you working on anything for the blog? What do you want to promote?
3: Uh, what do I want to promote? Uh, happiness? Uh, good <laughs> a, no, I don't know, man. I've I'm, I'm, probably got a couple of things that I'll in the hopper for Sports Illustrated in July. Um, right now, actually, the fellow George Kimball I was just telling you about who edited the boxing collection, I've been working on a profile piece on him. Uh, only because I was going to do an interview with him for Bronx banter when the when at the fights came out and as uh as I started to interview him we were doing it via email, he gave me so much great stuff, and he was such an interesting guy I thought hey, I just got to write a piece on him so that 's actually just something i 'm doing for myself and that i'll i 'll i 'll shop around as a uh, as a freelance piece when it 's done uh, but that 's what's that 's what 's getting me up at uh you know six o'clock in the morning, an hour and a half before I go to work and, and just plowing away and, and, you know, trying to just show up and do the work and, and be sustained, you know, by, by doing just that, showing up. I I have this one quote on the site that says, uh, it was from Woody Allen where he says 80% of success is just showing up. And uh, as I've gotten older, that's something I definitely embrace a lot more because uh, I'll tell you this, man, uh, writing is just, it's not that I'm, I'm this is not a complaint either, but it is humbling and hard. <laughs> just, I just find it to be a constant struggle. It's not easy. And, uh, you know, I try to, I've been lucky enough to, you mentioned Glenn Stout was on the show. Yeah. Kimball Shulian, Pat Jordan, I, I, Richard Ben Kramer. There's a bunch of older, particularly older writers, although Glenn's not that much older than me. Uh, there, there, I found that there's a bunch of older writers. Who have a real custodial sense of what good writing is, and th- they're real generous. And if you're eager, and you're a good student in a way, and you give a shit, that uh, you know they're really re- willing to mentor you and impart and, and their. At least I've had that experience where they've been willing to share their experiences about the craft. And uh, you know I didn't go to journalism school. I only started writing when I was in my 30s, so. I've gone, these guys have all been my professors in a, in a way. And I don't know, you know, what kind of writer I'll turn out to be, but this is my ninth year of doing it. And I feel like I'm just, I'm pleased with the effort I put in. Again, I might be only end up being a half-assed writer, (laughs) but you, you can't control that. You know what I mean? You can only control your effort to a certain degree. And, uh, so that's sort of what keeps me going.
1: I just wanted to clarify real quick, uh, I do now see your name all over the front page of your <laughs> website. <laughs> but if you do, if you click on staff and then click Alex Bell, the first article link there is from. Uh,
3: yeah, that's, yeah, that's got to be some sort of technical snap. Yeah, so you I have know. to talk to your IT Dad, guy. Actually, thank you for bringing that up. No I'll, problem. I'll make sure, to, I'll make sure to, to, to correct that as soon as possible.
1: Not a problem.
2: <laughs> hey, you know what we did last? You know what we did last week, Alex, and I just want to not recommend it. Is we did a t- a Twitter interview with David Justice. It was, it oh, was Jesus. yeah, it was, <laughs> it was impossible. You know, I, I tried to get the guy to come on the podcast and he said, no, let's, let's do a Twitter interview. And, you know, I'm asking him questions and he's like retweeting people's birthdays in the middle of the Twitter interview. It was, it was a disaster.
3: But, wow, that uh, sounds like a new level of like horribleness. Yeah. yeah,
2: it was brutal. But all right, we gotta let you go because I don't want you to miss the Yankees and socks. So
3: well, I appreciate that. And listen, boys, let, have me on. Let, let's do this again later in, in in the summer. See where where the Yanks are. Sounds, sounds
2: awesome. Good. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy.
3: All right, man. Have a great one. Thank, Thank you.
2: you. All right, the sportscasters here. We're back with one last segment of episode 24. we got to thank Jane, Jimmy Trina for being on the show from SISI.com. Also have to thank Alex Belt for joining us. The Bronx Banter blog is his site. Next week with episode 25 so far, we are confirmed. We're going to be talking to Neil Best from New York Newsday about all the crazy stuff that's been happening in sports media. And I'm working on some other stuff. I think we got to pick back up on 32 teams, 32 blogs. And also, we're going to do a little cross-promotion with a pretty cool site called fangsbytes.com, www.fangsbytes.com. It's also a sports media website, and uh, someone from that podcast may be on ours, and we may be on theirs. So we're going to continue to try to work that out. In the meantime, we have one more segment. It's pick four. Sadly, I have to recap (laughs) the disaster that was last week. How are we so bad at this? We just don't get a break. We just not, can't yeah. catch a break. We both won the game of the week, which was the Canucks over the Bruins, one to nothing. And I lost, and you lost, the Mavs over the Heat, 95-93. Both of our bowl predictions went into the tank. The Heat will not sweep the Mavs. And my bowl prediction can't come true because there's no chance for a sweep. I thought there might be one sweep and one seven-gamer. That's not going to happen, and we both lost our baseball games as the Phillies lost to the Pirates, and the Mets lost to the Braves. So you stand at forty-four and forty-five with a one-game lead <laughs> over me, forty-three and forty-six. Again, in fairness, a lot of those are our bold, bold predictions, prediction losses, which yeah. we no. lose every week because uh, they're bold. Because they're bold, We're very bold.
1: But uh, I don't know. Get it started. Game of the week. Game of the week this week is Game 5 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, Boston at Vancouver. I don't have written down the day.
2: (laughs) It's Friday, June 10th, 8 o'clock on NBC.
1: There you go. And I will take Vancouver. I mentioned earlier I am a little bit worried about them. And if this was Game 4, I would probably take Boston. But going back home, uh, maybe they get time to calm down. Game 4, win or lose that game. Uh, I think Vancouver is the better team and will win Game 5. I'll take Vancouver as well. I hope that
2: this isn't a, a cup clinching game because for the NHL, and I'm always rooting for what's best for the NHL, especially when the Sabres are involved. But I think what's best for the NHL is for this to be a long Seven series, day. one that can build momentum. So I hope this isn't a deciding game. I hope Boston can win game four at home. But this could be an elimination game. And if the puck is, or the cup is in the house, I can't see it leaving Vancouver's grasps. I think just the intensity. And the crowd would kind of carry them a bit. So I'm going to pick the the Canucks for that game.
1: My host choice this week, uh, I'm going for a gimme, or so I hope, because uh, let's face it, we need it. I'm going to take the Brewers over the Mets on Thursday night. I'm going to pretend this is the first time I've asked you this question, but do you know who Giovanni Gallardo is? Eight and two pitcher for the Brewers. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. He has won six straight games for the Brewers. Uh, I've never heard of him, but... It sounds like it's time to learn who he is. Giovanni Gallardo and his Brewers will beat the Mets on Thursday.
2: My host choice is a baseball game as well, and I'll ask you this question. Have you ever heard of J.J. Jurgens? No, I have not. Uh, he's a stud pitcher for the Braves. I believe he's 7-2 and two right now. Very nice. And he is going to be pitching on Thursday night against the Marlins. And a losing pitcher by the name of Volstad kind of reminds me of Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> uh, the game is Thursday, 9 o'clock. At seven ten p.m., and I'll pick the
1: Braves. Yeah, so 8-2 uh, and, and a 7-2 young, or I'm assuming they're young pitchers. Yep. Uh, I feel bad because they're both going to lose in some sort of horrendous <laughs> way now that we both picked them. My worldwide leader game, Thursday, June 9th, 9 p.m. on ABC. Uh, the Heat at Dallas. I am going to take Miami. I know Dallas has fought strong. I just think Miami's the better team as much as we don't like them. I think that eventually Dallas is going to crack. I don't know. I mean, Miami, like I said, they're the better team. As much as we don't want to think that,
2: I'm going to actually take the Mavericks. I, I don't know. I know they're putting up a fight, and they just just missed. Yeah, they won't go away. You yeah. know, Dirk Nowitzki just missed a shot at the buzzer that they could be up two to one right now. These next two games are huge for them at home, and I know the only chance they have to win this finals is if they go back to Miami up three to two. I don't know if that's possible, but I do think they're going to win one more game at home. I don't know if it will be four or five, and since I'm picking them at five, it will probably be four <laughs> tonight, but I'm going to take the Mavericks.
1: My bold prediction doesn't offer much in the area of sports insight, but let's face it, our bold predictions have been terrible, so none of them really do. So I went with like a little fun aspect. I'm going to say boldly that our regular picks, our first three picks, finished no worse than 5-1 this week
2: interesting and that actually is
1: bold. actually they can't finish any better than five and one because we picked against each other in the heat dallas game so
2: so hopefully that is uh true yes <laughs> my bold prediction is that roberto luongo and Dwayne wade will be the finals mvp in their perspective sports wow that is bold initially i wanted to pick Sidine, but he has no points in the cup so far he's he not twenty
1: 21 he also doesn't have an eight-goal-against game.
2: <laughs> he doesn't, but you know what? No one's going to remember that if, if Roberto win. Luongo wins the series in five and has another couple games like he played in Vancouver.
1: Right, yeah, and you pointed out last week that Cam Ward was chased a few games. And in, you know. He was, and you know what? I I just don't know.
2: If you don't give it to one Sadine it doesn't make any sense to give it to the other. Alex Burroughs has been the best Canuck, I guess, in the Cup so far, but... He hasn't been good enough before that, probably. He hasn't been good enough before that. So I'm going to say that if Luongo can lead the Canucks to the Cup, based on how negative people have been in regards to him over the course of his career, I think everyone owes it to him. Yeah, maybe. So that's going to be my pick. And that's going to wrap up pick four for today. Again, thanks to Jimmy Trena and Alex Beth. And we'll see you back here next week. Want, real
1: quick, yeah. I wanted to throw out there, you kind of mentioned it a lot, and I don't know if you could still donate or anything, but... Uh I want to give a congrats to ex-diversity goalie Josh Cormier and finishing his marathon. Yes, he did. I think he did it in a pretty respectable time. Four too, hours, so 46 minutes, I, I believe. That's respectable, I think, for someone's first marathon. Yeah, he isn't. got to
2: finish it right on the 50-yard line in Notre Dame Stadium. I know that was a throw for him. and uh, Yeah, his, thanks for bringing that up because when I want to remember George. George Cormier, his father, who he raised over $1,500 for. So it's nice. So congratulations to Josh for that. Oh, and I should give the addresses out one last time since I talked about how bad we were <laughs> at it at the beginning of the show. This site or I, this podcast will be posted at our site, www.sports casters.com. Make sure you email us, we the sportscasters at gmail.com. Our blog is the sportscasters.blogspot.com. You can follow us at Twitter at sports underscore casters, and we're at on Facebook at www.facebook.com. Slash the sportscasters, Don Cue the hip, and we'll be back next week with Neil Best.
4: All right.